Major General Brian Winsky is the commanding general of the 101st Airborne Division and Fort Campbell. He joins Charlie and Katie on this episode to give an update on all the incredible things going on at Fort Campbell and some very interesting things coming to the post in the next couple of years. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. You know, everybody wants to know about Fort Campbell. You know, we hear a lot of things. Can you give us just a little update on what's happening at Fort Campbell? Sure. You know, we're in a window of time now where we have the preponderance of the division uh, at Fort Campbell. We still have a a good portion of 3rd Brigade deployed, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I think everybody's aware, you know, Fort Campbell, there's about 27,000 soldiers that call Fort Campbell home, about 44,000 family members there. Uh, Right now, uh, we have 1st and 2nd Brigade back. Uh, 1st Brigade returned from Iraq and Syria in the fall. 2nd Brigade came back from a series of missions in Africa and the Ukraine, also in fall right before Christmas time frame. So those two brigades are on a training path now to get ready for uh, a big exercise down in Louisiana at the end of summer. Uh, so they're going to be spending a lot of time uh, training, conducting air assaults, live fires, etc. I mentioned 3rd Brigade. They're, uh, they got a couple really important missions right now. You know, Homeland Defense is the number one priority for DOD and the Southwest border is a mission that requires, uh, you know, about 1,500 soldiers. Uh, they've been down there since right before Christmas and they're arrayed across the border from Texas, New Mexico to Arizona and Southern California, helping Homeland Security and Customs and Border Patrol secure the southern border. Third Brigade also has a number of missions underway in Africa right now, and you saw in the news mm-hmm. uh, there was that significant attack in Kenya. Uh, elements of Third Brigade, the Rakasans 2506 specifically uh, reacted to that, and uh, they're there now uh, securing that area. So uh, relatively small but critically important missions in Africa. Our aviation brigade's in a great stride training right now, and they're getting ready to deploy uh, to Europe uh, and Korea this uh, this summer. Our sustainment brigade just got their last elements back from Afghanistan, uh, so they're training and preparing, and they're likely going to deploy the headquarters in the fall to uh, CENTCOM area of responsibility. And uh, the... Uh, um, all the other units that call Fort Campbell home uh, have small elements deployed, but they're largely uh, largely at Fort Campbell uh, now. So that's kind of what's going on for the division headquarters. We're going to be uh, we're training right now, and uh, we're going to be deploying. It looks like uh, to, to CENTCOM area of responsibility in the uh, in the early part of fall, and that was kind of a scheduled uh, deployment for for some time. You know, it's really pretty amazing how. You know, you say Third Brigade is in more than one spot, and we don't really, as a civilian, you know, we hear the news you're deployed, and we assume that a lot of the people go to the same place. Right. right. But you know, Fort Campbell is the most deployed division in the Army. Is that? Yeah, that's uh, that's a fair statement. Yeah. And and when you you know fast forward to this coming fall, the sun will never set on the Screaming Eagle patch. You know we'll have Screaming Eagles yeah. in in uh, we'll likely have them in Afghanistan. Um, you know all across Europe, uh, in, in Korea, all across the United States, uh, southern border, and uh, a bunch of places in between, like those missions in Africa I was talking about. So, what do you think about all that, Katie? I think it's a lot going on, and I was sitting there listening to you, and just sitting here as a civilian, I'm really impressed that you can remember all that and spat out all, where everybody is just off the top of your head. That's pretty amazing to me. I was like, wow. Well, they're all doing you know, really important mm-hmm. missions. Because uh, there's really, a lot of them. There they really are. Mm-hmm. They're all really, really important. And uh, you know, even though most of uh, the folks from Fort Campbell are on Fort Campbell and mm-hmm. were able to be with their families this holiday time, uh, again, 3rd Brigade and and uh, you know, again, other units that call Fort Campbell home, fifth group, one sixtieth, fifty second EOD, five thirty first hospital, all of them had you know elements uh, deployed over the holidays. So 
um, you know, this time of year when we kind of reflect on what we're, we're, we're thankful for and grateful for, we're certainly grateful and thankful for those soldiers that are doing uh, incredibly hard work on all those missions and, uh, and, and thankful that most soldiers got to spend the holidays with their family. Let's um, jump ahead just a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about how you guys deploy because you don't, there's, a, you know, the misconception that sometimes you deploy all at one time, 27,000 soldiers Deploying not one time is a lot, but how do you deploy now compared to like, like you did in 2003? Yeah. You know, everything's really now uh, geared around the known requirements. So mm-hmm. we know what the combatant commanders need, uh, you know, in the, the, the contingency areas everybody thinks of, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, uh, those missions in Africa I talked about. You know, we know what those requirements are going to be for about the next, you know, you know, several years in some cases. So we're able to add some predictability to our calendar and identify the units that are best suited for those missions, give them plenty of time to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, give them some predictability so they know when they're going to be gone uh, for, for those, uh, those, uh, those requirements, those deployments. I think what you were talking about is probably more like 2003 when the right. entire division deployed all at once and was gone for really the same window of time. Um, and before that, probably Desert Storm in 1990, mm-hmm. 91, where the entire division and, and a lot of the other units, 5th Group, 160th, the other units that call Fort Campbell home, uh, likewise deployed in mass. Um, you know, barring any real significant global uh, situation that arises that would require that, I think what we're going to see is similar to what we have mm-hmm. over the course of this year, where there's a portion of the division gone, um, a portion here training and preparing for whatever the next mission is, and then a portion that's prepared for any kind of contingency that surfaces. So that's kind of where we're at now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think another major difference is from back in 2003, whatever, is the length of deployment, right? Weren't they deployed for a lot longer than they sure. are now as well? Yep. yep. Uh, when we deployed in 2003, and I was a young major in 1st uh, Brigade for that one, we didn't really know how long mm-hmm. the deployment was going to be. Um, about halfway through that thing, it was you know, it was it was clear that there was going to be requirement for combat forces there for some time. So it was decided to be a year rotation. Uh, there was a period of time in the 2006, 7, 8, 9 period, mm-hmm. uh, the service in Iraq and then the subsequent uh, surge of effort in Afghanistan that required the Army to go to 15-month rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, that went back to a year, and now it's been nine-month rotations for uh, the last you know three years or so. So uh, they're generally pretty predictable nine-month rotations. I imagine going deploying, like you said, and not knowing how long till you're halfway through. That was kind of difficult. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, the most important thing, I think, for the families is predictability. Mm-hmm. So as soon as, uh, you know, we can really identify what the how long the requirement's going to exist and right. and line units up to be able to relieve each other of them and spread uh, spread the mission out as best we can um, is, is really important. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the, the you brought up the early deployment, say, in the 90s, early 90s. That's when you could really see the economic impact of Fort Campbell. You could drive down the street and see the difference. Yeah. And now with this these rotating uh, deployments, that doesn't happen as right. much. You know the soldiers are gone, but the businesses are still thriving. We've got so many retirees, so many family members. So that has really changed how our economy is impacted. Oh, that's a great point, Charlie. And, and you know, I, my first assignment was here in 89 to 93. And, uh, you know, I saw that firsthand. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think what we've seen now in Clarksville, as well as, uh, you know, Oak Grove, Oak Grove Hopkinsville and the, the, the broader surrounding areas, 
a lot of investment um, went into uh, things that soldiers and families you know want. You know, just there's just so many more restaurants, so many more uh, places to shop and places for entertainment and stuff. And uh, you're right, back when we deployed everything all at once, it was an incredible burden on small businesses, especially um, you know with with tens of thousands of folks yeah. leaving and in some cases family mm-hmm. members going back to their original home station uh, or their home of record, that sort of thing. Um, you know, you mentioned how many folks retire here. This is really the number one uh, in, in terms of the United States, uh, the number one place where folks retire and stay in this community. And they're generally not folks from Middle Tennessee, but they just fall yeah. in love with the area. They fall in love with the community and stay. And then we also have a really disproportionately high number of folks that when they leave the service, uh, maybe not a full retirement, but they serve for three, four years, stay in this area because it's such a thriving area. And there's, uh, you know, again, so much to do in and around uh, this part of Tennessee. So folks, folks fall in love with it. And the cost of living are in line too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, your dollar goes a long way and Nashville's just 50 miles up the road mm-hmm. that way. And land between the lakes is 30 miles up the road that way. And, uh, you know, right in the middle is everything you'd want uh, right here in, mm-hmm. in Clarksville and Oak Grove and Optown. It, it's really awesome to see our community, our community partners, Workforce Essentials, the city and county governments, <clears throat> excuse me, all partner with Fort Campbell on how to recruit the soldiers that are transitioning out, help them, help their spouses find jobs. Yep. So I think that's one of the main reasons people want to stay here. Yeah. You know, they they have they have opportunity. Yeah, we got a phenomenal program um, that's tied in with with all the local communities. It's uh, Soldier for Life, where we really set mm-hmm. set soldiers up uh, well for for the transition from active duty to you know good quality, meaningful employment or continuing education. And there's so much uh, in this area now uh, that's really developed over the last decades. And again, you see the investment and mm-hmm. all the big businesses that came in. It's really an attractive area for uh, for folks to stay. And the, the training that the soldiers get while they're in the service, really applies to civilian jobs. Sometimes it takes a minute to figure out what ex- how it right. converts. But That's the, what I was going to say. skills are so you know, spectacular. I think that they've done a good job trying, you know, when you see on a resume, this is a soldier getting out and this is what he learned. Well, that doesn't always translate into civilian job. I think that they've done a really good job starting to translate what yeah. that really means. And what does translate so well that exists in every veteran that served honorably is, uh, you know, just the fundamental character and the work ethic and the commitment and oh, the integrity and the, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the, the leadership experience that a young person has uh, in the Army um, easily translates yeah. to anything. You know, they have so much responsibility compared to, um, you know, a contemporary that, uh, you know, that, that makes for just a great employee. And for all your listeners who are in the higher end business, uh, you know, I give you a money back guarantee. Any honorably discharged veteran coming out of Fort Campbell will be one of your top employees guaranteed. My engineer actually came out of Fort Campbell and he obviously didn't know RF, but we've been training that. But I'll tell you, he is dedicated and loyal and, I never have to worry about whether he's working. I mean, he's a good employee. Yep. Well, there's another thing I've heard you speak of. I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit, but we're getting some new helicopters. Yep. So can you tell us about that and the sure. future vertical lift yeah, and some couple, of those things? There's a couple things there. So uh, um, one, we're, our combat aviation brigade is going to grow. It's going to be a unique combat aviation brigade for the Army. Um, of all the 16, ours will be unique in that we're going to have some additional capacity that we're building right now. Uh, we just started building, and we're going to really get some momentum going on this uh, over the course of this next year. And that's growing 36 more 
CH-47s, our, our large-lift uh, helicopters. Uh, we're going to build a battalion of those, uh, and that will be part of the 101st Cab. And that's underway right now, and the trajectory of that is going to go for a couple of years. It'll take some time to build it, but we'll have substantially more Chinooks than any other combat aviation brigade. And then... On the heels of that, the Army is really focusing on modernization right now and putting a lot of effort and resources into modernizing the Army. Um, you know, the Black Hawk, the Apache, the M1 Abrams tank, the Bradley fighting vehicle, the Patriot missile uh, system, you know, those were all developed in some cases the late 70s and really mm-hmm. uh, fielded in the 80s. And it's time to get the next version of all of those and, and other, uh, you know, major systems. And uh, what we're most interested in uh, of all of that is what what the future vertical lift platform is going to be, what the replacement for the Blackhawk, the the replacement for the Apaches that are serving in a reconnaissance mode are going to be. And, uh, you know, it's really exciting times in that arena. There's some offerings now uh, that are really moving out, and uh, we're going to accelerate the acquisition process to, uh, to get these, and we'll in all likelihood be the first place where we receive these new systems and put them through their paces and put them through their operational tests and then ultimately field our units with them. So, so as we receive those helicopters or prior to that, what are you doing to, to get ready to be prepared? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're staying hand in glove with our industry partners that are, that are, uh, you know, making these offerings or these prototypes. Um, and we want to, uh, understand early on the maintenance requirements, the uniqueness to any kind of hangar modifications that we have to do or, mm-hmm. or building new, uh, facilities to accommodate these things is something that we want to have set before we start receiving what these new aircraft are going to be. And I've, I get stuck on this. No, this I, is interesting I, to I me, so this, I'm just listening. I've, I've heard the brief a few times, mm-hmm. and it just fascinates me every time. Sure. But what good is it to you, to Fort Campbell, to have those helicopters in combat? Yeah. How do, how do they operate? Well, they're going to, um, no matter what variant is selected, it's going to have significantly greater speed. It's going to have significantly greater range. Um, they're going to be optionally manned so they can be operated, uh, you know, remotely or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, without physically manning them. So if you have to, uh, as an example, if you have to do a high risk resupply mission into an area where the enemy's got very capable air defenses, you, you don't have to man the helicopter because it's only carrying equipment or supplies and you can bring it in and reduce that risk to potential loss of life if it's shot down, that sort of thing. Um, the ranges for it are fundamentally going to change the way we operate where uh, we can prepare for and stage for an air assault well out of range of the enemy's artillery and indirect fire systems and strike points of vulnerability from at speeds and from distances that uh, you know the enemy's just unprepared for and can't react to. So uh, that is kind of the nucleus of the overall operating concept changes that will apply to air assault, uh, air assault doctrine and the the way we fight. And uh, we're really excited about it. When do you expect these to start coming to Fort Campbell? When's the, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be a couple of years before we're at the point where it's down selected and we know, uh, you know, which variant it's going to be. And then they go into full production, but it'll be shortly after that. Now this may be a, Sorry to me. Yep. This may be a silly question. I don't know, but right now, are you having to prepare and train soldiers specifically for that? So when they come, they're ready to go. Um, n- not at this point. Okay. Um, but what we are doing is we're tied in with with Army Futures Command and the okay. cross functional team um, to provide user input on on mm-hmm. these these variants that are being developed. So uh, we've already had air crews, maintainers, and we're soon going to have infantry. Uh, 
you know, linked in with, with industry to make sure that uh, they're accounting for all the requirements for those mm-hmm. who fly it, those who maintain it, and those who ride in it, um, making all the accommodations from the get-go. So it's built into the mm-hmm. design. It's baked into how these things are developed. So they're, they're absolutely ready and won't need, you know, modifications immediately once we start fielding them. It's very interesting. Yeah, it, it is mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. You didn't know there was that much going on, did you, Katie? I had no idea. <laughs> it's awesome. I need to keep up better. So so uh, recently, in the last few months, you've had some uh, some soldiers win some, some awards. Yeah, we did. Best Sapper, yeah. Best yep. Ranger. Tell us a little bit about that and maybe uh, some ESPN stuff. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> Army annually holds uh, the Best Ranger competition, um, and it's uh, conducted every spring. And uh, last, uh, last year, our team uh, emerged victorious. It's a grueling competition. It's really over the course of uh, about three or four days. Uh, they don't sleep during the course of this thing. They transit very significant distances up in the mountains of North Georgia and all across Fort Benning. Um, they execute just task after task after task. Um, in grueling conditions to ultimately determine which team is uh, the best of the best. So just completing the competition is a uh, incredible feat in and of itself. And our three teams that competed all did complete. Uh, we had the first place team, the third place team, and then another team completed. And uh, really proud of all of them. But uh, um, you know, our, our team that won uh, brought home the trophy, and uh, we're really proud of them. Um, we also have the Army hosts the best sapper competition, uh, which is a similar series of tasks over significant distances uh, focused on engineer skills. So blowing up bridges, um, you know, reducing IEDs, uh, demolition, breaching minefields, breaching obstacles, all those sorts of things are woven into this competition with, again, significant movements that they execute in between. And again, a tough, grueling competition uh, that we're proud to have won that this year as well. So we look forward. We already got our folks uh, identified in training uh, for the competitions coming up for 20 2020, and we look forward to uh, to uh, adding to our uh, victory roll on both the best ranger and the best sapper. Um, some of the, uh, I think you mentioned uh, ESPN, Tim Tebow mm-hmm. and uh, the ESPN team was here a couple months back and did a great segment right before Veterans Day, which aired over Veterans Day and throughout November. Uh, where they one segment was with our best ranger uh, competition winners, and they did a little workout with uh, with Tim Tebow on uh, you know an obstacle course that we have there on Fort Campbell, and uh, I think what Tim emerged with was a real appreciation yeah. for what the incredible yeah. athletes that these guys are. Um, it was uh, it was a great segment. I'd encourage everybody to uh, to pull it up and check it out. You know, you see Tim Tebow, professional athlete. I mean, got to be built. in shape. He's just built. You know, he's strong. And to watch him try to maneuver those obst- that obstacle course like the other guys, <laughs> he just couldn't do it. And and he was very appreciative. It's, yeah, Katie, you got to check it out. Three days no sleep. That's what that's what got me. Like you can't like after twenty four hours, I can't function. So that's impressive. That's that. Not only do you have to be physically in shape, but mentally there as well. Yeah, yeah, even more so. Yes, you know, it is. It is pure grit, mm-hmm. determination, and uh, again, back to that segment where uh, Tim and Captain Rose did this obstacle course. When you look at you know Captain Rose, he's just lean, fit, you know, lean and mean, uh-huh. and. Uh, and uh, at the end of it, his hands were bloodied, and Tim's like, "Look at this guy's hands, you know, his hands." And not, it didn't, it didn't slow him up one bit, you know. And that's just mind mm-hmm. over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. And grit <laughs> and determination and and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing is what really, uh, really distinguishes folks that really excel in those types that's of things. That's impressive. So.
Well, I, we we do appreciate you being Thank here. Thank you. And and one thing I want to tell you, and and it's it started long ago, but the acceptance of Fort Campbell leadership to to include our the community. Yeah. You know, we really appreciate that. And being allowed to go out there and learn and see things, it's just uh it's incredible the opportunities that we've had, uh, and we thank you for that. Well, I tell you, I've served, I've been in the Army since, you know, the mid-80s, and I served in a lot of places, and I'm blessed to have been able to serve here at Fort Campbell for about 13, 14 years over the decades, and it is without compare in terms of uh, just the quality and, uh, and uh, you know, all everything in and around Fort Campbell just makes it a great place to serve. And top of that list is uh, the great communities that surround us and the friends that we make here and we get to be part of these great communities. It's just uh, phenomenal. So thanks. Well, it makes me proud to live in a community that not only supports, but has so much pride in our military. So th- that's, I think that we are in a good place to live. Absolutely. And thank yeah. you for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Clarksville Conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.